Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamualaikum, folks. Um, Risk Nation, thanks for tuning in to the show. Uh, Ahmed Munawar here, Saeed Ali over there. Saeed, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Alhamdulillah. Very good. So today's going to be a spicy one, I think. Yeah, we might hopefully not, but we might anger some people. Anger? Think, really? You think people get upset? Well, I think that some of these might hit home hard. Uh, hopefully it's not, the response is not anger. Hopefully the response is, okay, yeah, let me deal with this. I don't know. We'll see. We have good listeners. So inshallah, it'll be, it'll be great. If we're going to get angry, let me pour myself some coffee to prepare myself. <laughs> uh, look. Three lies about money you need to get out of your head. Um, Let's put a pin in that for a minute. I want to make a quick announcement before we jump into today's topic. Sure. Uh, You may have heard us make this announcement last week. Uh, We are launching a course that will help you save $10,000. So if you want $10,000 in the bank, an extra $10,000 that you didn't have before, you don't have now, you want that sometime in the future, then you're going to want to check out this course. Uh, Right now, it's still kind of pre-registration. We haven't released any details yet, but if you want to find out when the course goes live and uh, you want to be one of the first people to to have the opportunity to register, you can go to riskwise.com. Type in this in over here. Dot com slash slash save 10K. Very, very easy URL to remember. Fantastic. There it is. Join the early notification list over there. Uh, like we said last week, I mean, this is our first time offering the course. We're really going to be looking for the right people to join the course. It's not going to be like open enrollment. There will be an application process. So once you subscribe to that list, you will get, um, once, you know, we have it all ready and and, and good to go, you will get an application form. We'll ask you some questions around, you know, what your goals are, what you'd want to do with the money, why you want to save $10,000, so on and so forth. Um, and if we think you're a good fit for the course, then you'll be given an opportunity to enroll. Um, unfortunately, everyone that signs up for the list is not going to have a chance to enroll because we're keeping it very, very small for the first run. Um, so chances are um, a lot of you will will have to kind of wait until the course is released to the public. But, you know, the earlier you get on that list and the earlier you fill out an application, then the better chance you'll have to actually get into the course the first time around. So if you want to save $10,000, if that sounds like a, a goal that you want to achieve sometime soon, hey, uh, actually, com slash save 10K and sign up there. Yes. Will, will this work for people who don't want to save $10,000, but they want to save 10,000 euro or 10,000 pounds? Yeah, sure. Or rupees or dirhams or dinars. Sure. I mean, oh, yeah. Save um, 10, well, I guess it's a little bit easier to save, uh, save other currencies. But if um, you want to save an amount of money that is significant to you, $10,000 we chose because for most people, that's a significant amount of money. I mean, ten thousand yes. dollars can can go a long way towards paying off debt. It's doable, so, but you got to stretch to do it. It's a stretch goal, right? So, um, whatever your denomination is, the goal is we want to help you save a large amount of money in a shorter amount of time than you thought possible. Yeah, and I, one quickly, one quick thing that I want to kind of shed some light on because we've alluded to this uh, last couple times is uh, this is an application process. We are looking for the right candidates. So Ahmed and I, this is the first time we're launching a course where we're not just talking at people through Facebook Live or through a podcast. So we're looking for people who are willing to give us some uh, feedback, who are willing to uh, you know go with us on this journey because uh, we do Ahmed and I through Riskwise want to make some significant impact in the Muslim community uh, so that we can all be more financially well off, inshallah. Uh, but we need partnership. We need partnership from the people who are going to be in this course 
to sort of you know accept that that's what we're trying to do. Um, there may be some hiccups along the way, uh, but we want as much feedback as possible. So really, that's why we're going the application process, not just saying wide enrollment. I'll be more frank. I mean, this is for action takers. Right. I mean, this is for people who are willing to put in the work. I mean, it's not going to be like, hey, we watch the videos, we listen to the lessons, and we feel good about ourselves for, for a little bit because, you know, we we took some action. And then we go back to our old ways. Like, you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to make changes. The $10,000 is not going to just appear out of thin air in your bank account. Right. I mean, how awesome would that be? If, if I could do that for you, I, you know, I, uh, well, I know $10,000. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll tell you from experience as my, in my day job that people who get uh, those unexpected financial influxes, it's gone the next day or close to it. That, yeah. it, you know, if the discipline that we're going to be teaching, not even discipline, but the systems that we're going to teach in this course aren't in place in your life, having an extra 10K dumped on your lap is not going to last very long. It's yeah. it's not even about the 10K, frankly. It's about the systems that we're going to help you put in place, inshallah. Anyways, I think we've spent a lot of time on the announcement. We've already gotten uh, quite a few good enrollments now or, or people on the notification list. Uh, from there, like Ahmed said, uh, we'll send out a notification saying that the course is up for uh, application. Uh, so click on a link and fill out the application, and then we're going to enroll people uh, from there. So hop on soon. Uh, we don't know how many people on the notification list will eventually sign up, but so we're keeping the uh, notification list up and running. So inshallah, check that out, riskwise.com slash save 10 Okay. And inshallah, inshallah, when our dear brother Saeed finishes the application form. Oh, how is this for putting you on the spot? Under the when bus. Finishes just, the application form. We bus. will send it to you. If you're yeah. wondering why you're on that list, you might not have heard anything. It's because we're still working on the application form. But yeah. Saeed will get it done, I assure you, especially after calling him out publicly. Public shame. Uh, yeah. Saeed. Three lies about money that you need to get out of your head. Absolutely. Uh, one question that I think people might be asking themselves is, how do you lie to yourself? <laughs> um, I think we all have stories that we tell ourselves about who we are. And hopefully most of those stories are fantastic. Like we may tell ourselves that we are a good Muslim, that we are good people, that we fear Allah, um, that we you know, are generally do good things, that we're good parents. Hopefully we tell ourselves some good stories, but I think we also tell ourselves some not so great stories, stories that debilitate us. And uh, you know, we've, we've been doing this for a few years now, Ahmed, and on our email, like we have a team at riskwise.com or help at riskwise.com, people email us there and we both get it. And I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the time people email us with questions or asking for help. And there, there tends to be two general feelings with the people who email us, I feel. I mean, maybe you, you perceive this differently. But often we get emails from people who are um, motivated to improve. And often we get emails from people who feel downtrodden and that they just can't get out of the situation that they're in and they're listing off all their problems and all the things they face. And, you know, what am I supposed to do? I can't get over this. I can't fix it. Uh, and that's what I want. we want to tackle. That, that if you are someone who's on the internet and you know you have food and water a, a roof over your head and a bi-weekly paycheck i mean you're a top five percent richest person in the world so there's going to be a lot that you should be able to do and i think a lot of us tell ourselves lies that hold us back from being able to do what we can so let's let's unpack that a little bit more i'll be honest with you this whole idea of beliefs and mindset I really only started thinking about this very recently, which I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit, to be honest, because <laughs> it just makes so much sense to me now. But this, you know, this idea that especially as an entrepreneur, I'm surprised about that. Yeah, I know, I know. But especially this idea that beliefs and mindset drive your behavior. I've really only begun to appreciate that recently. 
Um, and if you know you don't quite appreciate it yet, I mean, just think about it. You hold a certain set of beliefs in your mind about everything, right? About you know certainly about religion, about your life, about who you are, about money, about your relationships, about your health, right? You hold beliefs about all these different spheres of your life, and those beliefs dictate the way that you behave in those That's areas. Right. They That's dictate right. the things that you do. So if you think about if something's going wrong in your life, if you're not happy with something in your life, well, there's two layers to that. The obvious layer is the one that we immediately jump to, and that's the things that you're either doing or not doing, like the physical manifestation of that, um, of that, uh, of that thing, right? Right. Uh, but there's also a mental element to it, right? There's beliefs. There's a mindset. Uh, beliefs could be good. Beliefs could be bad that are driving your actions. And if you just focus on the actions, if you focus on the physical, uh, you're missing the bigger picture, right? Because those actions are coming from somewhere. Absolutely. They're coming from a certain mindset. So if you fix the mindset, then the actions will fix, them, fix themselves. Yeah, like if you see people uh, up in the morning at six o'clock running in the dead cold winter, and you think, oh man, I wish I could do that. Well, before you- I don't, I don't think that. So <laughs> I never, I never think that I pity those people <laughs> freezing cold outside. And fair, fair. Yeah. But you know, if you wonder how they're able to do that, really, it starts with a mindset. It starts with a belief. It starts with a story that they tell themselves uh, of what it is that they can and can't do and whether they limit themselves just internally. Yeah. And there are a lot of examples of this too. Yeah. So let's go through some examples that just make this a little bit more tangible for people. So you, yeah. you've got a good one here. You love to use this one because you love to cook. Uh, you always <laughs> you rub know? it in. You always rub it in because I I don't cook and I can't cook. Uh, but you you don't need to cook. You have like a five star trained chef in your kitchen that you're married to right now. Well, the funny thing is, my wife and I both agree that if I actually started cooking, I would I would love it. I guarantee yeah. you, I would love it. Like, I totally see myself enjoying the craft and and all that kind of stuff. I just need to actually start. So actually, we have a deal. Uh, and it's Friday, so this is a good reminder. <laughs> we have a deal that I'm going to cook on Friday nights. Um, anyway, All right. That's neither here nor there. But the the the, the belief here that um, that you wanted to bring up was this idea of I'm, I'm too busy to, busy to cook. I'm too busy to cook. I am too busy to cook. And therefore, uh, the reason why that is harmful is because what ends up happening, if you believe that you're too busy to cook, that you just don't have the time at all, any point in your schedule, uh, what tends to happen is you just go out to eat a lot. And there's two problems with going out to eat all the time is first, the food is not healthy. Restaurants don't design menus around health goals. They design menus around taste because taste is what brings customers back. If you watch any of those restaurant shows with Gordon Ramsay or Jamie Oliver, like you'll know, restaurants are not about health and you know whether it has too many calories that's not on the, the discussion at all it is how good does this taste so they load it up with fat and sugar and salt so it tastes good so you come back so it's not very good for you and it costs a ton of money you know going out to eat two three times a day for the whole week plus you know if you're going out with friends it adds up to a lot so if you have a belief that you can't cook you know you just don't have the time i think that's a belief that you can change if you so were so inclined yeah, another so, one. So look, here's the, let, let's just let's work with that for a minute because I think every belief that you have, you can flip it on its head. If it's if it's a problematic belief, right, you can flip it on its head and turn it into a positive belief. So something like that, I'm too busy to cook. You've convinced yourself that you're that kind of person. I'm so busy, I just don't have time. I'm not one of those people that can just, you know, six o'clock comes and I'm in the kitchen and I'm cooking. I'm not that guy, right? Yeah. 
the way to flip that on its head is, um, well, I, I'll give you a very personal one, right? So the way I'm going to flip that on, on its head is I want to be the kind of father that my daughters see cooking in the kitchen. Oh, wow. That's a positive belief, right? Now, that is like sudden, the most endearing, sweet thing I've ever heard you say in my 15 years of knowing you. Well, that's my, like wife, the my wife's hammered that into me. <laughs> Dude, that is actually so admirable. Uh, that's so admirable. Yeah. No, I mean, that's an example. You take, a, you take a limiting belief, that's what you call it, right? Limiting belief, and you flip out on its head to become more of an empowering belief, right? Yeah. So I, it, we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about cooking, but that little, you know, that little tweak to the belief now, it'll direct a completely different course of action. I go from rationalizing why, you know, I want to eat out or order takeout or not cook to motivating myself to actually want to be in the kitchen and want to cook and yeah. probably enjoy it. I didn't know that that one was going to be so personal for you because I, I thought I wrote that one for me and I wrote the next one for you, uh, which is the lie of I'm a car guy. I'm a gearhead. I love cars. Uh, okay. Uh, that's a good one. So I, I'm, I think I'm past that one now, but I yeah. certainly used to feel this way that you did too. Yep. In our younger days, Absolutely. we were both gearheads. We were both car yeah. guys. We both had nice cars that we yeah. liked to show off and uh, wax them on the weekend. And black, yeah. oh man, I was, I was, uh, I mean, my family jokes or they joke back then that my car was my first wife. <laughs> so I was, I was the guy out, you know, forget weekends. I mean, every, every couple of days I was out in the summer washing the car in the driveway, waxing it. Yeah. Neighbors would walk by, they'd compliment the car. I'd feel good about myself. How many um, times did you hear the phrase? So are you doing mine next? Oh, every, every time, every time. Every time. So, so okay, th th there's this belief that I'm a car guy. That's who I am. It's in my, it's in, runs in my veins. I love cars. And then what happens is every time, I mean, this was true for me 10, 15 years ago. Every time you get a paycheck from your, you know, minimum wage, part-time job in high school, where does all the money go? It's rims. It's this, it's that, it's detailing. It's all these car accessories. Um, but even now, I mean, I, thankfully, I don't think I fit into this category anymore, but say that I think you and I both know a lot of people who still hold that belief and, you know, a big chunk of their money, you know, yeah. even into their, even into the, you know, late twenties, thirties, forties goes towards, you know, high end exotic cars. And if they can afford them, that's fine. Okay, but that's, that's what I want to talk about the, yeah. the, when this becomes a problem is when this comes at the cost or the, the you know, anything, whether it's cars or yeah. shoes or handbags, whatever your thing is that you spend a lot of money on that you just think that's who I am. That's what I love. That's what the things that I enjoy. That's, that's fine. If you can do that, the thing that you quote unquote enjoy, uh, and it doesn't affect any of the long-term goals that we had talked about back in week one. So if you're still able to accomplish all the things that you want in life and your money's going where it's supposed to go and it's automatically being invested as it should and debts are being paid off and or you know savings are being built up, all that's happening and you still have money left over for these niceties, absolutely. It's a fantastic thing. Life is great. Enjoy it. We're not supposed to be monks. Um, but what tends to happen is people prioritize the, I'm a car guy. I need to have the nicest car. I need to change my car every two years. Cause you know, the dealership is going to call you like you lease the top end, you know, European uh, top end, even American cars four year lease, three year lease. They're going to call you in a year and a half, two years and say, Hey, how about we get you into a new one? for only $20 more, a brand new car for only 20 bucks more a month. That's what, that's their whole business model. And it's good for guys like me who buy used cars. Um, but people who are buying them brand new every single, you know, two years, that's a lot of money that goes out. So I think the differentiation here is, can you do this and achieve all the other goals? So I, I love this one too, because it's very personal. I guess that's why you put it down. Um, so, so let's, let's 
let's uh, pick on this a little bit. So that, <laughs> I mean, that certainly used to be my limiting belief. I'm a car guy. I love cars. You know, what am I going to spend my money? I'm going to spend it on cars. That's this one thing I enjoy, which is not true, because the truth is, if you know me, you know I have every expensive habit there is. <laughs> you go down the list of expensive All your secrets are coming today. Right? I've got them all, right? I don't act on all of them, but certainly the desire is there. Um, so I went from, I'm a car guy, and I, you know, I used to buy new cars, and they weren't always like super exotic right? by any means, but I buy new cars, I lease cars, um, and you know, there was a time where I went through like, I think four or five cars in like six years, yep. and, and then I changed my belief, and that's largely Said's fault, because um, he kind of hammered this into me, but I changed my belief from, I'm a car guy, to... I'm not going to overspend on buying a brand new car just so the car company makes profit on me. Right. Like I'm not going to be the guy. Cause what ended up happening was I started buying cars, you know, three, four years down the road. So off lease. Right. And so I said to myself, look, I'm going to let some other sucker pay the amortization on that car. Right. It appreciates, you know, 50% in the first four years. Right. So a $50,000 car after three, four years is down to about 25,000. I'm going to let some other guy pay the 25 grand and I'm going to come in buy the otherwise brand new $50,000 car. I'm going to, I'm going to buy it for 25 grand. Yep. I'm going to drive it for 10 years and enjoy it way more than he did. Yep. Right. And that became my new belief. So now it's like, if you ask me about buying cars, I'll tell you right away, never buy a new car because I just think it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's just ingrained into me now. Like that is just not a smart thing to do because you're going to pay so much in depreciation. And after four years, you're left with half of the value. Yeah. You know, you lose 25 grand in four years. That's a lot of money to lose, to lose, I guaranteed to lose. Yeah. Not a probability of, hey, maybe this goes up, maybe it goes down. No, you were guaranteed to have a drop by half in that three or four year time, time period. I feel like we're talking a lot about the examples. How about we get into the lies? Yeah. Just as Let, Let's get into the lies, but the, the three lies we wanted to cover today. But one quick thing before we do. Sure. Uh, People may, uh, I think one question people might have is, well, how do we how do we pick up these these beliefs? How do we pick up these wrong beliefs or these false beliefs? Where do they come from, right? The truth is, it's not your fault, right? Because we pick up beliefs from school. We pick up, we pick up beliefs from society, what people tell us to believe. We pick up beliefs from family, right? There's all these different ways we can pick up these beliefs. And, you know, if you're not really kind of gut checking these beliefs at the door, um, and asking yourself whether that is a sound belief to have, whether that belief is going to lead you to the place you want to go, then it's really easy to pick these up just over years. They, they accumulate, right? You know, can I give a quick example of that? There's, I think, a too, too great of a, a pervasive belief in some Muslim cultures um, that uh, they pick up from the older generation that there are certain things you have to do. Otherwise, people are going to judge you, you know. Your wedding has to be a certain way. You've got to dress a certain way or spend so much on clothes. Or when you go to weddings, you have to look a certain way or wear a different thing every time. Uh, otherwise, in the eyes of your peers, the rest of your family, people are going to judge you. And, I, I feel, and there are a lot of communities where that's really, really pervasive. And that's a lie that I think we tell ourselves um, that is completely untrue. I don't, I don't think people keep track of what you're doing <laughs> nearly as much as you think they do. Uh, and nobody really cares because they're all too wrapped up in their own stuff. So well, that, that, that's a classic example of a, of a, of a misplaced belief, because even if it's true, even if people care, it doesn't really matter. What people <laughs> think. Like that's the thing, right? It, it doesn't matter what they think that what people think has zero effect on your quality of life whatsoever. So long as you 
know how to deal with what people. Yeah, think. but like, what if you wear the same shalwar kameez to a wedding, or the same thobe or abaya to a, a wedding? Yes, I know what a shalwar kameez is. Come on, don't don't laugh. Um, and then people see you, they're like, oh man, this Ahmed guy, like, and his wife, they keep wearing the same clothes. They must be poor. You know what? I don't think we want our, our kids to marry their kids because I think they might be poor. That's actually what people believe when they say, yeah. you know, we need to give up appearances. It matters because I don't want people thinking bad about me because then they won't want to marry my kids like 20 years from now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you're definitely inflating your sense of your sense of significance there as yeah. people are looking at what's he wearing? What's she wearing? Is it the same as last time, which is probably months ago? I mean, nobody really, I guess pictures will prove it, but <laughs> who goes back and looks, okay. How many times have you looked at a picture that had you and a bunch of people in it? And you looked at anybody but yourself. Like you're looking to see, if, did I look good in that picture? Was I smiling? Was something in my teeth? Ninety percent of the time, you look at a group picture. You're just making sure that you're good in it. And then ten percent is like, oh yeah, other people were there. Right? And that's so, everybody. So what you're saying is, human beings are inherently narcissistic. So don't worry about it. They only care about themselves. They don't care about you. Exactly. And take solace in that. You know, take solace yeah. in that. Anyway, right, let's, let's jump in. Our, our intro is about 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> lie number one. So now we're going to focus on the three most common lies about money that, that we see and that really, I mean, everybody is guilty of believing these lies at some level at some point. Lie right. number one, I need to make more money before I can start paying back debt or saving. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, here's where I think the... the um, the comparison that you need to do comes into play. If you're watching this and you have internet, right? You got a roof over your head, you have food on the table. You're not on the street starving. Like literally, you're not literally on the street. You're not literally starving. Um, you got a bi-weekly paycheck. That puts you in the top 5% wealthiest people in the world. Top, top 5, top 10% wealthiest people in the world. There's a lot that you can do with that. Uh, and there, there are people who are even who are in poverty or who start off in poverty who, who make it out of it and who lead themselves to a better life. Like if, for example, uh, your parents immigrated here, but you were born here or you came here very young, just ask yourself, how did your parents do it? Right. They had to come here with next to nothing, possibly not even speaking the same language that, you know, that was spoken here in the country that you're in. How did they do it? And if you yeah. think back, I mean, Ahmed and I, you've joked on, about this on podcasts before about how infrequently our parents would let us, you know, like go out to eat or like, you know, you go to a store and say, hey, mom, I want to buy this. And, be, and, you know, how often was the answer? No, like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah, it, you, it's crazy to think about. I think about this a lot, actually, how uh, I mean, I can speak for my parents. I can't speak for everybody. Right. But they like they did so much on uh, primarily a single income. Uh, you know, my dad, my dad's a government bureaucrat. So he's, you know, government salaries, he's not making millions, right? Modest middle-class income. Uh, and yeah, they did a lot, right? I mean, yeah. they went to India like every couple of years, right? We never felt like we didn't have money. I mean, sure. We didn't splurge on eating out all the time or any like extravagant things like that, but you know, we never felt like we didn't have money. I mean, they got a lot done. And to be honest, uh, I mean, that's humbling because I think what it comes down to is choices, right? right? They made certain choices. They decided to spend their money on certain things and they decided not to spend their money on certain things. And ultimately, I think exactly. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I think we talked about this in the very first episode of RiskWise is um, Seth Godin talks about this idea of going on a money fast, right? right? Like go like 30 days or even go like five days, whatever you want, right? But if you go a certain amount of time and just don't spend any money, like zero money, right? Eat ramen noodles, like just go like totally baseline, spend as little as you possibly can. 
And then what you realize is that everything is a choice, like for us, right? For the kind of people that have all this disposable income, everything that we spend our money on, like 80% of it at least, is a choice. It's not right. a necessity. It's a choice that we make because we want this thing. We don't need it. We want it. And when you realize that everything is ultimately a choice, then now you have power to actually make different choices. And that's a more empowering belief. Yeah, rather than thinking that I have to do this because, you know, I just have to. Like, you know, if we think again about our parents, they may have said no to us a lot when we were kids, but I never thought about this until I started writing the <laughs> the notes to this uh, episode. Uh, I wonder how many times my parents had to say no to themselves. Like, mm. you know, we might be pining that, oh, man, if I go on a budget or if I have to control my spending, I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do that. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to, like, not do things. That sucks. Well, I wonder how many times our parents went through that situation. Again, new country, new language, new system, new everything, having to create roots, you know, get a home, get a place to live and raise kids starting from zero. How many times did they have to say no? Like I know my dad uh, back in the day loved cameras. I wonder how many times, I know he's got some really cool camera equipment, but I'm, I'm obviously he doesn't have everything, right? He's not, he doesn't have tons of stuff. He actually just dug it out yesterday. They were doing some renovations. He must have told himself so many times, no, I mean, I can't, yes, I want that new lens or I want that different camera or I want to use different film, but no, I, I can't, I, I have to make these sacrifices. So I think whenever we feel that if I just make a little bit more money, then everything's going to be okay. Remember that your parents probably made a lot less and they were still able to do quite a bit with that. And, you know, from my experience in my day job, you know, I've seen on both spectrums, I've seen very, very affluent people making six, seven figures, like over a million dollars a year in income, who still have massive financial problems, huge amounts of debt, uh, who aren't getting anywhere year after year after year. And they keep telling me, I have I have an income problem. I don't have a spending problem. I have an income problem. Like, I just need to make more money. If I made a little bit more, everything's going to be okay. Like, you know, somebody like happened to me very recently, straight faced. I, I just need to make a little bit more money here like totally stressed out, pulling out their hair. I just need to make more money. And yeah. they're already making, you know, into the seven figures a year. Uh, so if you feel that way, believe me, it doesn't get any easier. Like your, your lifestyle is going to go up, your expenses are going to go up, and then you're going to still feel kind of pinched in the same way if you don't develop a new story and then the habits that come with it. So let's, let's replace this limiting belief with a more empowering belief. The limiting belief is I need to make more money before I can pay back debt or start saving. Right. right. I And I'm just making this up, but I think a more empowering belief is every dollar that I spend is a choice that I make. Right. So I can choose to spend it on something now or I can choose to invest it for later or to pay back debt or to save it for retirement or whatever it may be. So that absolutely is true. I mean, I feel like that has a lot of gravitas to it. Um, maybe one that can be a little bit... Um, more palatable would be that small actions repeated over long periods of time have huge consequences. Mm -hmm. So if I feel like I don't have enough money to pay back this huge school debt that I've got, well, you'd be surprised how quickly that'll come down by making your minimum payments and a hundred bucks a pay. Yeah. And then when you get a raise, you, you, you calculate how much that means on your paycheck and add that to what you're going to pay off on that debt. And you keep doing that consistently paycheck, paycheck, paycheck over and over and over again. You'd be surprised uh, how many or how big of an impact that'll, that'll make. So I feel like that's a better story to take. It's a, it's a small action, repeated 
over and over and over again for a long period of time have huge consequences. Yeah, because then you realize that if I don't start putting away money now, then by the time I start, it may be too late to actually achieve my goal. That's that's what that uh, should hopefully lead you towards that kind of conclusion. So right. line number two, uh, budgeting and thinking about where my money is going, that's just going to stress the heck out of me. And yeah. I don't need more stress in my life. I'm already stressed out enough. Yeah. I don't need that kind of stress. Yeah. I mean, I, I think every single human being can empathize with that. At some point in their life, they went through it. You know, I don't want to budget. I don't want to have to, you know, penny pinch. I don't want to have to be bachil or cheap with my family or myself. Um, you know, I just want to be comfortable, you know, spend my money whenever I want to spend it. I decide that I want something, I just buy it. Like, I just don't want to stress. I don't want to stress about it, man. I don't stress about it. Because stress is bad for you. <laughs> bad for your heart, bad yeah. for your well-being. Yeah. Um, and who wants stress? I agree. Who wants stress? Nobody. Nobody wants stress. Uh, but if you're watching this, uh, if you've been listening to Rizquaz for a while, you've probably felt the anxiety, if not stress, but probably stress too, of opening up that credit card statement and looking at that bottom line number and thinking, oh my God, really? That's did I really, like, that did is, I really? That is stress. <laughs> That's like a thousand dollars more than I expected. I've got to now pay for that somehow. Yeah. And then worse yet, you look at your credit card and you think, oh, my God, it's that's a lot of money. And then you go and switch tabs over to your bank and look at your checking account and think, oh, my God, what that's did not I do? a lot of money. <laughs> oh, my God. Like one of these numbers is bigger than the other and it's in the wrong order. Yeah. Oh, no. The worst is when you're you're looking at your bank view and it's all in one view. Right. So <laughs> at a glance, it's like you got you got the bank, your know, bank balances and their credit card balances. And then what catches your eye immediately is the numbers. But you've got to like quickly adjust to figure out which one's actually money and which one's debt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, and that's, I, th I would argue that is way more stressful, right? Yeah. Having that anxiety every time the credit card statement gets in the mail or you get that email notification saying, hey, credit card bills due. And you, if you if you get that email, you're like, oh, even like a tinge, like your, your stomach just knots a little bit or like just goes sideways a second. I think that's really much, much more destructive. Really, I don't think yeah. budgeting is stressful. I just think it's work. It's just a little bit of effort. It's not really stressful. Look, you know what it is? It's it's like taking your, your it's like taking your weekly vitamin or what a daily vitamin, right? But in the case of budgeting, maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, right? Yeah. Take a vitamin every now and then. I mean, it's a little bit of effort, sure, uh, but it's to avoid a a larger cost, a larger cost, right? So if you budget once a month. And then you check in on your balances, you know, whatever once a week, or you set up alerts with mint.com or whatever system you have. We're not getting into that today, but right. you have some kind of system and it's a little bit of maintenance every so often, right? Uh, that avoids a larger stress, a larger catastrophe, a larger headache or stress uh, once a month when you, you have to look at your bills and figure out where, where it all went. You know, I actually, I'll take it one step further than that. I don't think it just reduces stress. I think it brings empowerment i think it brings a, a really positive feeling and motivation that i can do this i can be in control of this i can make good decisions uh i can and imagine like right now if you're the kind of person that open, like kind of dreads the credit card bill at the end of the month or dreads yeah. the bank statement or looking at your, your your bank statement every two weeks when you get paid if you're that kind of person imagine that some point in the future you could look forward to it Imagine just feeling good about, I'm, I can't wait 
to look at my bank account to see how much I've made or how much I've saved or how much I've put away. I can't wait to open up my credit card because I, I know that I'm going to be at or below my monthly spend requirement. That feeling of empowerment and powerfulness, I think it's not just a re like budgeting doesn't just reduce stress, which I think it does. I think it actually gives you power and the trade-off is a little bit of time and a little bit of work. Think about the feeling of swiping your credit card and not knowing whether or not it's going to go through. Oh God! Or, or, uh, or you back. Know, well, that's what I'm saying, right? Or your debit card, right? Using your debit card, not knowing if there's enough money in there, right? Oh my God! Yeah. I, honestly, I believe most people have experienced that at some point, even if it was back when you were young and you had like yeah. a part-time job or whatever. But I mean, yeah. you've never experienced that. That we can't be friends for sure. <laughs> like that's, that's like a human rite of passage. Yes. But just think of how stressful that is, right? But yeah. you can avoid all that altogether. And, and know that every time you swipe or every time you pay for something, every time you have a transaction that you know there's money in the bank, you know you can afford it because you're on top of things. You're in control and you're not letting money dictate what you do and what you don't do. Dude, that's such a good example. So I think, you know, if we look at the limiting belief being budgeting or thinking about money is going to stress me out, I think the, the correct belief or the truth uh, would be that the empowerment that you get, the feeling of power that you get from being in control of your money is such a fantastic feeling. Like it, it'll bring you so much sukun, so much tranquility that you'll wonder why you never did this before and why you were so afraid of the little bit of work that it takes to get on that path. It's not yeah. stress to not do it. You'll realize, you'll come to feel that it's stressful to not do it, to not have it in place. You know, it's interesting how some of these things, if you boil them down to uh, uh, an issue of identity, then it can really, really have a, a, a tremendous impact on your life. So something like this, if you say, look, I'm the kind of person that has a budget. That's who I am. I'm responsible. I'm practical. I've got, I've got my stuff together. I'm the kind of person that has a budget and that sticks to it. And did when you, you let that seep into, yeah, did I steal that from somewhere from you? Maybe? No, I, I, that is a perfect segue to point number three. I actually feel like you read this ahead of time. Did you read this ahead of time? No, I never read this ahead of time. <laughs> That's why I'm surprised. I just show up and start talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the story that you tell yourself changes from, you know, whatever it was before to I am the kind of person that's got it together when it comes to my money. Yeah. Because lie number three, perfect segue, Ahmed, I'm very proud. I, I kind of feel like you're lying and you actually read it this time. Lie number three is if I spend less money, I'm not going to be cool. And I know how that sounds. It sounds kind of absurd, but I don't think it is. There's a, um, I don't know who said it. Is it uh, Dave Ramsey? Or, I can't remember who says this, but uh, people spend what they don't have to buy stuff they don't want to impress people they don't like. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. That's yeah. a Dave Ramsey thing, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. No, I don't know, but I've heard it before. Yeah, like it, it's such a common thing that we, wh whether we know it or not, we buy and spend money on things to impress people. Whether it's a newer car or some, you know, kitchen gadget, which I'm I'm kind of guilty of very often, more often than well. Here's one right here. Um, what is that? Uh, I'll explain later. It, it takes a little bit of explanation. Um, that we tend we can fall into a trap of buying things in order to fit in with a certain crowd uh because that crowd or us in that crowd have defined ourselves to be the kind of people that have you know the nice shoes you know the the, the in-season fashion um the you know the skinny ties the cotton you know, loose weave ties that ahmed used to wear but he doesn't wear them on camera because he's ashamed <laughs> um 
but we spend money to fit into a certain circle or to, to, to define ourselves, to be cool in whatever that means. And sometimes we, you know, Hamid and I are both parents. I think parents can be guilty of it, of doing this for our kids, where we buy things for our kids because we want our kids to be part of a, a social, certain social circle. Or okay, we, let, we want let, to be kids. Let me, give you the, let me give you the marketer's view on this. Some of you may know my, my day job is I'm a marketing consultant. The marketer's view on this is that whenever somebody buys something, Outside of the bare necessities, right? Which we talked about is barely any of your expenditures, bare necessities. Most of it is wants and desires and choices that you make. Whenever somebody buys something, it almost always boils down to a status decision, okay? Our purchasing habits are either directed at maintaining a status role that we have among our peers or among society or among our family or to elevate our status role. Okay, it's one or the other guaranteed any purchase you make that's not a bare necessity comes down to a status role. So take the example of cars that we mentioned before. Hey, if all, all my buddies from, from university are driving nice cars or driving German cars or leasing brand new cars, look, even if I don't necessarily care about cars, I'm going to feel compelled to get a car like them to maintain my status role among my peer group. Did you, when you were growing up, was Tim's like the de facto uh, car guy meetup spot? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tim, Hort Tim yeah. Hortons, yeah. The coffee yeah. shop, yeah. So like if you're part of that crew and like your friends are the guys who go there on Friday night and hang out with their cars and looking at the latest thing they bought to add to their car. Remember back in the day, did you ever have these? The, um, the windshield spray nozzles that had an LED light in them? Yeah, I didn't have one, thank God. I did, something, I did something much more ridiculous than that. So there was a point, this is a total tangent. There was a point uh, in, in where I was obsessed with really clean lines on my car. Like I wanted everything to be super clean, right? And and no like, uh, and I had remember I had an Integra, right? So yeah. Integra's got like really clean bodies. So I was obsessed with like the clean look of it. So I was looking at my car one day and and I noticed the windshield wipers are really ugly. If you look at windshield wipers, they're terribly ugly. Like there's no, there's no making Aesthetics. those things look good. They're just, sure. they're just plain ugly, right? I said, well, that's really ruining the look of the car. I mean, it's a nice clean car. I take care of the body. It's got nice clean lines, no. right? And then there's the windshield wipers. No. It, just, it just ruins the whole thing. No, you didn't. So I, <laughs> I, did. I took off no, the windshield didn't. wipers. I took off the windshield wipers. And you know what? It looked really good. I got to say, I still believe to this day. It looked really, really good. That's not the whole story. I'm going to put Rain-X on the windshield. I was going to ask. So that yeah. At least when it rained, the water would just bead right off. And to be yeah. honest, it was fine. Like yeah. it, when it rained, the water would bead off and I was fine. Yeah, Rain-X is pretty high. But like yeah, that. there was a period of time where I, I didn't have windshield wipers. And oh man, people would make so much fun of me. Like <laughs> it was unbelievable. That is really funny. I didn't know. The ridiculous things that you do to maintain a status quo to reinforce that status role. Yeah, and people are going to ask you, like, what, what, what have you done to your car lately? Like, what new car do you have? What new little thing does the car do? And, and it could be cars, it could be houses, right? Like, what's the new, somebody comes over and you want to show them, you know, the new uh, vase that you put in the corner over there, or the new, you know, like, piece of furniture that you bought on this side. Or, you know, if you're a computer geek like me, you know, what's the new game that you're playing now? Or what's the other VR headset? How does it work? You know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, where we can fall into that crew, with that, that mindset. And I think this is a lie because because again, if, if you enjoy these things and they, they bring meaning to you and you're happy about it, great. 
but if they take away from your personal financial freedom and your inability and it create, makes you unable to uh, attain your long-term goals, save, pay off debt, then it becomes a real problem and it becomes a lie that you are telling yourself that you need to uh, stay away from or, or change. And I think a, a positive or a better way to look at it is almost every, if you decide to make a change and to say, you know what, I'm not going to be the car guy anymore. I'm not going to be the fashionista anymore. I am going to be smart with my money. I'm going to stop consuming. I'm going to stop spending. I'm going to, you know, start really paying off these credit card debt. I'm really going to start paying off this uh, school debt. I'm really going to start building, you know, hedge fund or whatever your goal is. And you, whether you make that explicit or implicit, right, you just no longer have these things. And maybe it comes out and, you know, talk, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm on the RiskWise 10K program. Uh, I'm really, you know, making a huge change in my finances. I think rather than being uncool or being excluded from that group, uh, I think the people in that group will start being envious of you and that new position that you have and that new story you're telling yourself. Because, like, if you are feeling financial struggles, I'm I'm sure your crew is too. Like I have a fantastic window in my day job uh, into the personal finances of everybody who I talk to, clients, people who come through the door, people who call me for help, right? All your uh, clients are getting really nervous right now. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's not bad things. It's just you realize when you do when when you do the job that I do, that there's no secrets. Right? If 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 two people make, you know, let's say that it's two houses, house A and house B. Both houses have a household income of $100,000 between the two spouses. House A has old cars. It's a relatively modest house, never been renovated. It's kind of not, you know, doing too much. They, 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 they don't go out to eat. They cook. They stay in. You know, let's say they're average to even on the boring side of average. And then house B, it's everything has been gutted. The house is super fresh and clean, brand new car. Every two years, there's brand new cars, all the latest gadgets, all the latest stuff for the kids, designer clothes, designer labels. Often, I have people who, like my clients tend to be the house A kind of people, right? And they'll ask me, like, how is it possible? Like, I know somebody who is like house B. How can they do that? How is it possible? Like, I, we make about the same, you know, we make good money. I just don't feel like I can do all the things that they're doing. How are they able to do it? And the answer is always the same, debt. Like yeah. it, aside from very rare circumstances of inheritance or family money, which is actually really rare yeah. in, in reality, yeah. debt, people just rack up credit card debt, rack up line of credits, rack up, never pay off their mortgage. Um, and you know, what if we chase that external status through the consumption of stuff, I mean, Nobody else is doing it in a different way than you're doing it. If they're making about yeah. the same as you and they're spending all that money, it's probably being spent and funded through debt. And if you make the change internally that says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm on the 10K program, I'm going to be saving up 10K in a few months, uh, and then repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You know, we, we, we're getting older. We want to make sure that we're doing all the right things with our money for our future. I don't think your friends, if they really are your friends, are going to have a problem with that. I think they're going to wonder, hey, where do I sign up to? Yeah, look, I think a really simple thing that you can do uh, on, on this particular lie is every time you make a purchase, and I mean like, you know, a, a reasonable purchase, I don't mean like buying gum at the grocery store, right? But like a, a significant purchase, whatever significant means to you, stop for a moment and ask yourself, what status role am I trying to reinforce or attain through this purchase? Oh, interesting. And I really believe if you ask yourself that enough times, eventually you'll start to spot it from a mile away.
right? That a lot of these purchases are they're geared towards achieving a certain status role that if you really asked yourself how important that was to you, you would conclude, you know, it's not that important. It's not actually worth it. Right. If you mindlessly go ahead and make that purchase, then you're going to do it. Right. But, and sometimes you may, you may decide, you know what, this is important to me. I do want to keep up with, with this or with that. And that's your decision to make. But my contention is if you ask yourself that question, every time you make a major purchase, right, significant purchase, what status role am I looking to serve here? then a lot of times you would decide, you know what, it's really not that worth it. I think we should do a, a Facebook Live at some point on um, the things that marketers do to get you to spend money. Like that is a very good inside point because we have talked yeah. about this in you know aspirational purchases, aspirational brands. When people buy an Apple product versus buying a Dell, they're telling themselves about they're telling themselves something about themselves. Exactly. And 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 Dell versus Apple. Yeah. So you're going to spend Android 20 versus iPhone. $2,000 on a laptop or $800 on a laptop. And if you're, you know, web browsing and like writing stuff on Word, really there's no difference. But you're going to spend that $2,000 instead of the $800 because it tells you something about yourself. And that's a, a very interesting marketing tactic that people like you implant into the rest of us. Maybe we should do and, like well, a. And, and our victims of my office is like an Apple store. I mean, yeah. what do you want? Like the Apple screen, the laptop, the phone, the iPad. It's all yeah. it's all right here. Yeah. Right. And yours is like the opposite. <laughs> yes. Everything that is not Apple is what I own. Yeah. <laughs> and no shorter quantity, by the way. Yeah, you know, you've you've got your own problems, no doubt. So <laughs> listen, that's those are the three lies. This is not an exhaustive list. There are other lies about money. Hopefully, what we've convinced you to do here today is really start to question the beliefs that you hold about money right? And to, and to start thinking about, well, which of those beliefs are flat out lies, which of them are just not leading me to a good place. And which of those do I need to get rid of and replace with more empowering beliefs that'll help me achieve my outcomes. Absolutely. Before Next we let week. you go, if we haven't, uh, or sorry, if, uh, if you haven't yet signed up for the, uh, the save 10 K course pre-registration list, riskwives.com slash save 10k get on that list and then when the application form for the course is ready when's that say in the coming days in the coming days so by this weekend yeah by next by next podcast inshallah and if you sign up for that list we will send you an application form fill it out it'll be a simple form it's not exhaustive It's just our way of gauging whether or not you are the right person to take the Save 10K course the first time around. Okay, when we eventually release the course for the public and it won't be by invite only, then then you'll have that opportunity. But for the first round, we wanna wanna make sure we have the right people in place. We wanna make sure you're an action taker, you're really motivated, you know why you wanna do this and you're gonna put in the work because that's critical to achieving the outcome. So riskwise.com slash Save 10K. If you want $10,000 in your bank account, go and sign up there. Um, and we'll let you know how it works. Inshallah. Saeed, what's next? Uh, so next, we are going to do, uh, first week we did a little bit of work. The last two weeks have been kind of fun. Um, next week, we're going to do a little bit more work again, and we're going to actually look at your budget. We're going to talk to you about tools and how to peel open or crack open the can of how you've been spending in the last few months and take a look at it because um, we can't know where we want to go or how we're going to go towards our future if we don't know where we are now. So we want to look at your budget, look at your finances, some metrics that you need to understand, uh, some quick, easy ways to get this done. It sounds stressful. 
But I'm sure you'll make it easy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a gut check for sure. It's a gut check for sure, I'm not gonna lie. But like I said before, the end result is that you will have empowerment over your money. And if you have empowerment over your money, inshallah, you will feel happy when your credit card statement comes in or when you log into your bank. And that is a good thing to look forward to. Sounds like a plan. All right, Risk Nation, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again next Friday, same time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern. If you're not on the list yet, go to riskwise.com, join our email list. If you're not listening to the podcast yet, go to your favorite podcast player, search for Riskwise, and you'll see the podcast show up there in your feed. And finally, again, if you wanted to join the Save 10K course, go to riskwise.com slash save10k, and we'll send you an application form. Thanks for watching. Assalamu alaikum. All right.